Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table, where we discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Mikel Del Rosario, Cultural Engagement Manager here at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And our topic today is helping your church defend the faith. How can we help our brothers and sisters in the church uh, explain the faith to people who see Christianity differently and grow in their faith in Christ? And my guest in studio today is Nathan Wagnon. Welcome. Thanks, Mikkel. It's great to be here, man. Yeah, good to have you again. Second yeah, right. time on the table. <laughs> yeah. And uh, your title is a pretty unique one. It's Director of Equipping and Apologetics yeah. at Watermark Community Church. And do you know anybody else who has Pastor of Apologetics or Director of Apologetics in their title? Yeah, uh, not personally, no. I, I mean, I'm sure they're probably out there somewhere, but I would imagine there's not very many of us. Yeah, so, it's yeah. a pretty rare thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, so we're happy yeah, totally. to have you here. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, to talk about this this particular uh, topic. And you are a DTS grad. Yeah, yep. THM 2006 as a New Testament guy. Okay, yep. great. New Testament is my area as there, well. That's so, right, yeah. Yep. I love it. And what have you? What did you do after DTS, and kind of get us up to speed from the time you graduated until you started working in your uh, in your church now? Yeah. So I, yeah, I was here. Um, actually, was in this uh, room. It was. It looked different <laughs> <laughs> back then, but it was in this room and uh, uh, graduated in the spring of 2006. And then about a year, year and a half later, uh, I joined the military, which was a, a pretty significant left turn. If you understand the whole story, then it makes sense. But a lot of people are like, wait, you went to seminary and then you joined the military? And, and uh, you know, I'd done uh, – I grew up Southern Baptist. I went to a Southern Baptist university, and then I came straight here and worked on my THM. And then I kind of looked at my uh, background and was like, hey, I've done a lot of different, you know, Christian ministry things, but they've always been in the context like of – uh, a Christian environment. Mm-hmm. And so, and I wrote, I wrote my thesis on the, the Great Commission. So, mm-hmm. was thinking about, hey, how do you do kind of incarnational ministry like Jesus did um, in, a, in a totally secular environment? Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a mentor of mine here, Andy Seidel, mm-hmm. um, kind of pushed me toward the army. And I looked at it and was like, you know what? I think that's what the Lord's got for me next. Mm-hmm. So, I went into that, and it was a massive culture shock. I went from <laughs> I literally went from going on an expedition with the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts uh-huh. to basic training. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is very different, you know, like academic work yeah. to to uh, to the army. Yeah. And but you know what? I, I found that um, the Lord really used that time. Um, I was an infantryman and deployed twice to Afghanistan, and and just got a broader sense for, you know, what was going on in the world, mm-hmm. but then also what was going on uh, just in our military with those, you know, young men and women who are serving our country. And I was able to uh, lead Bible studies and lead people to the Lord. And I just had a, I had a very incarnational in it type ministry while I was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, after my second deployment, my wife got pregnant with our first child. And it was like, hey, you know what? I'm probably... I'm probably done being shot at, you know. So <laughs> let's let's transition, mm-hmm. and uh, so we moved back here and uh, started my doctorate of ministry in discipleship and spiritual formation at okay. Biola University, and then I've been on staff at Watermark um, 
the whole time that I've been doing that. So about six years okay. as the director of equipping and apologetics. So now was that something in place before you got here? Did you apply for that job? You know, it's, I mean, I was, I was at Watermark, which, which Watermark was really young when I was there, uh, while I was going through seminary, when mm-hmm. I was going through DTS. And so I was a lay leader, um, and pretty heavily involved before I joined the military. So when I came back, I had a lot of relational connections mm-hmm. there and, um, I came back and the the position did not exist. It it uh, the the ministries that I now oversee existed in some form, mm-hmm. um, but didn't really have a whole lot of like um, oversight from a staff perspective. And so when I came back, I remember the very first day I came back, uh, my boss at the time, Blake Holmes, who's now our campus pastor, came and got me and was like, "Hey, we're going to go meet these guys and." We sat down with the apologetics team at Watermark, which mm-hmm. is kind of this this just group of dudes, you know, with a handful of of women um, thrown in there, and it was like, hey, this you're going to lead this team, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, okay, so here we go, and that's that's when we really started to formalize a lot of the mm-hmm. apologetics ministry um, at Watermark. That's a whole other. A story that maybe we can get into in a minute. But. About how many people work with you right now in that ministry? Uh, we normally have between 22 and 24, uh, fa- we call them fa- uh, facilitators, okay. who oversee our uh, our Monday night ministry where people can come in. It's like a living room environment, mm-hmm. and they can come in, and uh, it's an open forum. You can ask whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So we never know what people are going to ask. They just come in, and it's a uh, it's fair game. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. So when we think about the whole concept of apologetics, of defending the faith, mm-hmm. we have the uh, the positive side where we give people reasons to believe. Yeah, right. We have the more defensive side where we uh, help people answer challenges, work through challenges that they're maybe going through in their own minds, mm-hmm. uh, times of doubt. Um, how would you explain to somebody, if, if someone were to ask you, uh, why do you have an apologetics ministry and equipping ministry at your church? How would you explain the importance of that in, <clears throat> in terms of how that fits in the church mission? Yeah. I mean, my, my first thought is if you're doing evangelism, then you're going to be doing apologetics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't you don't go up to somebody who doesn't believe and just be like, believe, and then yeah. they just believe. <laughs> like, that's <Right>? – <laughs> I mean, that's not how it works. So mm-hmm. – um, I, and I think one of the reasons that we've been able to have a strong apologetics ministry at Watermark is because our senior leadership has pushed forward a very strong – Um, community ethos of evangelism. Mm -hmm. So if you go to, I mean, probably if you're listening to this, if you're watching this and you know somebody who goes to Watermark or you've heard of it, then you probably at least in some, at some point in time have heard them talk about Jesus or share their faith or, I Mm -hmm. mean, it's just evangelism is a high value for Mm -hmm. us. It's not aspirational, it's real. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot of this, a lot of our great questions, which is the title of our apologetics ministry, um, a lot of our great questions ministry was born out of just necessity because everybody's sharing their faith. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you share your faith and somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've there. help please, yeah. you know? And so we, we just built a team that, that, uh, not only equips our body, we do mm-hmm. equipping stuff for our body, but also just provides that area where we're like, Hey, if you don't know the answer, then bring them to us, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's really the majority of our apologetics ministry is mm-hmm. born out of our members who are active in personal evangelism. Mm-hmm. 
How much of the ministry is split between, say, the more evangelism side mm-hmm. for seekers, for people with questions, people in other religions, yep. um, versus the discipleship side yeah. that's the more equipping side? Yeah, it's it's disproportionate in uh, toward the skeptic. Okay. So we tell people, we're like, hey, uh, this is for people who two, – two categories. One, questions are keeping you from a relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. or two, questions are keeping you from growing in your relationship with Christ. So um, either people who are considering Christianity or are having like a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's who we target. And uh, so the the equipping side of it tends to happen uh, a little bit um, through some courses that we teach, but the ongoing, you know, week in, week mm-hmm. out ministry is to uh, people who don't yet believe. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah. you mentioned great questions. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the you can ask any question you want that's right. for people, atheists, people of other religions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the, uh, the other um, offerings that you have? Tell us about those. Yeah, so we, we really view uh, Monday night is what we've already talked about where people can come ask whatever they want. And we really view that as a front door because, um, I mean, we can have, in fact, this summer, we've we've had uh, high numbers, I mean, between 30 and 50, like every single week come in. Mm. And that's, I mean, mm. we try to keep it small because, I mean, think about it. You're maybe, maybe you went to church as a kid and um, then you've stopped going to church and you kind of did 20 years worth of whatever right and mm-hmm. then and then you come back and like you maybe maybe great questions is the first time you've stepped in a church in 20 years yeah. you know yeah. which is not super common but it, ha- it definitely happens you know people come in and you know I've been away from the church for a long time or people who have never been in church at all um, although we have, we have a lot of international students and here in Dallas I mean Dallas is very much a cultural melting pot from mm-hmm. around the world and uh, so we've had all kinds of, of students come in, and this was not only their first encounter with a church, but their first encounter with Christianity, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so it's a – we try to keep it as small as possible as the least amount of intimidation, you know. And so when you have a room full of people and you want to ask a question, then it's intimidating to raise your hand in, in yeah. a room full of 50 people. So we try to keep it really small. Um, and, and, uh, we found that that has, we found that that's worked, but we, we found that that also is really that time is like the front porch or, or the front door to really get into a relational space with people. Mm -hmm. So we encourage and we follow up with people to say, Hey, we'd love to buy you coffee or lunch or a meal or breakfast whatever. We just want to hear your story. Because as you know, I mean, you you do apologetics. I mean, you can answer somebody's questions, but I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, you don't, you're not actually answering a question. Mm -hmm. You're answering a person. That's right. And the person is asking a question. The question is actually very quite secondary. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. I mean, the primary deal is who are you? What's your story? Where did you come from? What shaped the way that you think about um, the world and God, um, mm-hmm. and and not just what you think about Him, but how you think about Him, and does that line up with Scripture? And you just can't know that in an in an initial meeting. Yeah. And so we really try to cultivate relationships with people so that we're meeting with them outside of that Monday uh, mm-hmm. Monday mm-hmm. evening expression, so that we that's where the real work I would say of apologetics is is going on. Um, and so that's really the those are. Kind of two sides of the same coin for mm-hmm. us, but that's the um, 
Yeah, that's that's apologetics for us there at Watermark. Yeah, well, listening is such an important part of that. Oh, we're just having huge. a meal with somebody, and it's really important to allow someone to share their not only just their story in general, but their own views. Once they start opening up to start telling you their views on God, on totally. Jesus, on the Bible, uh, we miss out on that sometimes if we're mm. too quick to just try to give people answers to what we think they're asking. Um, but they're really giving us a window into their souls mm. um, and, and really where their heart is at when they when they share, you know. So that's amazing that you guys get to take yeah. that time with them outside of the, that Monday night. Yeah, and we, we would – I would say that probably one of the greatest f- failures or maybe that's too strong of a word, one of the greatest mistakes that I think uh, a lot of uh, evangelicals make is we think of evangelism as like closing the deal. You know, so these kind of weird things start happening. Like you start to feel like a used car salesman Mm -hmm. because you're trying to push people towards, yeah, but I mean, do you want to like pray this prayer or whatever kind of expression that takes? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to, do you want to accept Jesus? And, and unfortunately, Mikel, I think there's a lot of people who are trying to push toward that because of um, insecurities in their own lives. Their, their spiritual life a lot of times is deficient, and so they're trying to fill that void with, with like ministry activism so that they can raise their hand and go, see how the Lord used me so that they can get this sense of self-worth for, you know, and, and, and that expresses itself a lot of times by people who don't listen. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they're, 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 li- they're using the space when someone else is talking to formulate in their own minds how they're going to respond right? instead of actually listening to what the person is saying. And what I would say to that is we don't get to do that. Like Jesus has called us to love people, and, um, and that looks like treating them with value and worth because they are valuable mm-hmm. and they do matter to God. And so you, you're not talking to – you know, when you when you do apologetics or evangelism, you're not talking to somebody who's a, who's another notch in your belt. Mm-hmm. You're talking to somebody who's made in the image of God, who's deeply loved by God, who um, who deeply matters. Their story matters. Their views matter. And so, we, yeah, we just we don't get to um, we don't get to just uh, mow over people. Um, we have to love them. Yeah. And people can sense right away if if you're treating them like a project, they can tell that just shuts down communication. And I mean, how did you think about First Peter three fifteen, mm-hmm. our command to be prepared always to give an answer mm-hmm. to anyone who asks us about the hope that we have in Jesus, but do it with gentleness, <laughs> yeah, right, and respect. Yeah, that part gets left left off a lot. <laughs> That's right. And the whole context of First Peter three, how did God? You know, what was God's attitude toward us before we had embraced him or mm. his message? Mm-hmm. And why can't we be like that yeah. with other people? It's yeah. how God was with us. Yeah. Well, know? it requires somebody to take their personal walk with Jesus really seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't just – you have to – we have to get away from kind of the superficial Christianity. But um, I'm, I go to church. I do these things. I'm, I'm checking these boxes. Um, but the actual substance of of a vibrant, healthy relationship with Christ mm-hmm. a lot of times is missing for people. And so, I, I mean, I would say if they're like, "Hey, how do you how do you do evangelism? How do you do apologetics? How do you how do you do these things?" I mean, the first thing I would say is, "Hey, you got to get close to Jesus." Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a way that you can do these things 
and do them apart from the energizing work of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's called legalism, you know. <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot of us that fall into that, you know, as opposed yeah. to, hey, that that's not the ultimate aim. Like, I'm never asking myself, you know, how can I do evangelism today, you know? The question is, hey, how can I how can I agree with Jesus? How can I walk with Jesus today? Because I promise you, if you get close to Jesus, you will do evangelism and apologetics. Because you know, if you follow Him, He's leading you to. I mean, He's saving the world. Mm-hmm. So if you're near Him, that stuff will absolutely spill over, and and you'll you'll be involved. But then you'll be involved not in your own strength. You're going to be. Uh, he's with you, right? And you're co-laboring with him in the gospel. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the people in the church who you're kind of trying, you're trying to train them to be able to give those answers, Mm -hmm. what are some of the classes that you offer um, both in in the Sunday school hour versus outside Sundays? How does that work with you guys? Yeah, we've, so we've taken advantage of just technology and uh, understanding that I mean, the vast majority of people, we were talking about this before we went on, um, just a lot of people are consuming content online. Mm-hmm. So YouTube um, or podcasts or anything like that, that's just kind of the end thing right now. And so the question is not, well, you know, are they going to do this or not? They, the, they are doing that. Mm-hmm. The real question is, how do we meet them in that content consumption where they mm-hmm. are? And so we've... We've developed one of our uh, we we used to call them core classes, but now they're just equipping courses. Is called answering the tough ones, mm-hmm. and we take six of the most commonly asked questions um, of the Christian faith and uh, take about ninety minutes for each question and walk them through. Like, hey, here are the, here's the issue. Here's how you need to think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, here are some points that we would uh, encourage you to. You know, push forward in a conversation, but but then there's also this piece in that course that is not just this is the information. It's also coaching people on how to have the conversation, yeah. how to engage um, the person, and because that's just as important mm-hmm. as the content. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, we could talk about that more if you want. <laughs> I, I could get on a soapbox, but I'll spare you guys. Um, that's just as important, and so we've we've taught that class, and then now it's available as uh, on a cohort mm-hmm. base mm-hmm. online. So. Mm-hmm. Anybody can take it in the world hmm. as long as you have an internet, you know, hmm. as long as you have internet access. And, uh, and so we're, we, we try to utilize that. And then we also do a lot of different like seminar type things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dr. Box been uh, with us on a handful of those and whether they're uh, seminar style or a conference or um, we're, we're pretty consistently throwing um, apologetics content at our body, mm-hmm. um, but but I would say that answering the tough ones is the primary one that we push people toward. If no, if for no other reason, like you know, if it just gets the conversation started with them, mm-hmm. it whets an appetite. Yeah. Then we have a ton of resources we can throw to people as they as they're like, "Whoa, I want more," you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. So you're talking earlier about maybe we will get into that the uh, the way in which we engage is mm-hmm. so important. Oh, I think huge. when people have questions, one if they just have questions in their own mind, they're wrestling with their own doubts. Mm-hmm. There's the answer, yep. so that you can you don't have to lie awake in bed at night wondering how can there be a God when there's evil in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also. So once you get the answer for yourself, how do you share that answer with somebody knowing that the question they're asking might come from, you know, five, six, seven different areas in their lives yeah, of course. where they're seeing 
dysfunction, where they're seeing yep. the effects of sin. Mm. Um, and, you know, you might be taking a pastoral route before you actually answer, you know, the, ev- the evidential problem. Totally. Yeah. A story comes to mind. We were uh, Monday night. This was a couple years ago now, but there was a woman who came in and she had come a handful of times before. Mm-hmm. Cause it's an open forum. You can come as much as you want. <clears throat> um, and she had come a couple of times prior and had asked all of the major questions that a Muslim would ask um, of the Christian faith. So, you know, it was, has the text been corrupted? Did Jesus really die on the cross? You know, those types of things. Um, And so we had answered, we answered all of her questions. um, And uh, you're, you're consistent when you're in the room with those people, you're, I mean, my radar is always up, like what's actually going on here? and look, there's there there are unicorns out there where like whatever they're asking is actually what they're you know what's driving them, but they're few and far between. Most of the time, as you said, there's a bunch of stuff behind mm-hmm. um, what what the questions are, and so I was I was just kind of aware, and I was praying because we pray a lot. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey Lord, what's what how do you want me to re, you know, interact with her in this mm-hmm. moment?" Cuz there's 20 other people in the room, you know. And so I called her by name cuz she had been there. I was like, "Hey, um let me just ask you a question. I feel like you've you've asked a lot of different questions of us, and I feel like we've given you pretty satisfactory answers. Like if if we haven't, please let us know cuz we want to clarify. Um but but I just want to ask like um what's 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 behind this? What's mm-hmm. driving this? Mm-hmm. Um, and the r- room got real still because <laughs> everybody's like, "Oh, oh, snap! Junk just got real, man." <laughs> and um, and it also got really quiet because she started to cry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm I'm like half going, "Okay, now we're getting somewhere." And and the other half of me is going, "Oh, dang it! I just made somebody cry." You know. Um, and uh, so uh, it was just real still for a little bit and. And uh, she uh, finally just said, I, she said, I, I actually think you guys are right. Like, mm-hmm. I, want, I want to believe this, but my husband is Muslim, and I'm afraid if I convert to Christianity, he's going to kill me, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, now, now all the smoke and mirrors of the questions are gone, and you're dealing with the actual problem, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, – I actually – there was a girl in there with us um, who has a degree from Dallas Seminary in Counseling, which is great. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her to step out with her and and spend the rest of the time, you know, just a focused one-on-one. And, uh, you know, we labored with her. But that just illustrates, like, it's uh, – I mean, you don't ever want to be weird about it, you know, and be like, hey, what are you really asking? You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. But you do want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit who could be in that moment drawing that out. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to – it's an art form, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, you have to listen and be sensitive to what's going on. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. 
I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. Um, one, one question I like to ask is just another way to put it is, you know, of all the questions that you could ask about God, why that one? Yeah. Yeah. Fair question, yep. right? It's good. Um, and then just, you mentioned prayer. Sometimes it's so basic, but sometimes it's overlooked <laughs> when someone says, I want to get apologetic into my church. And they, mm. they whip out reasonable faith by William Lane Craig. Yeah, and right. just, they just want to, you know, teach that class. Mm. But, you know, where is God asking you to step in? Yeah. Where is God, um, first of all, where has God placed you? Mm. Whether you're in a small church, whether you're in a large church, um, whether you're on staff or not, mm. um, where is God asking you to, to step in and just, just ask him, you know, and just pray about it? Totally. Um, how do you handle integration? You said you just throw apologetics content at, at the body wherever you can. <laughs> do you do integration in terms of like, do you reach out to um, like for pulpit ministry? Do you mm, get apologetics mm-hmm. into there? Women's small groups, youth? Yep, how do you yep. integrate that? Yeah. So again, I would say, and this is a really critical point that I would encourage, you know, pastors who are listening or watching this. Mm-hmm. Um we have a saying around watermark. It goes like this. I don't know if we came up with it or not. I'm just repeating what I've heard. Is um, average leaders think in terms of programs, and uh, above average leaders or, or great leaders think in terms of values. So a lot of times people are going to go, man, we need an apologetics ministry, whether it's because they think it's cool or in vogue or whatever it is, you know. And they'll be like, we need an apologetics program, so let's start a program. And I would say, don't ever do that. Like, why? Right? Uh, I mean, just because you start a program doesn't mean that that all of a sudden becomes a value for you, you mm-hmm. know? Um, instead, I would say, heat up the value. Like, don't start a program, heat up the value. And the value is, are you sharing your faith? Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's the critical question. And if your church is not active in evangelism, don't start an apologetics program. Like, teach your church to share their faith. And you do that by a bunch of different means, but primarily by modeling it for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's a that's a core principle in the army. Like, you, you don't lead from behind, hmm. you know? You lead from the front. Mm-hmm. You don't tell the people, you guys need to be sharing your faith, and then you don't ever share your faith. Like, so the way we champion this at Watermark is – um, I don't know if you've ever met our past senior pastor, Todd Wagner, but that dude, I mean, he's just a um, – he's a thoroughbred when it comes to evangelism. Like that is – it's that's one of the way, unique ways that God's gifted him. And he is – he's just always talking about sharing his faith, and <laughs> and, and that's real. Like, <laughs> I mean, I go to lunch with him or I, I'm out with – and he's always sharing his faith. <laughs> And, and so uh, you kind of feel bad if you don't because you're like with them and you're like, I didn't share my faith. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. But that's real. And, and so it spills over. And so a lot of um, our ministries, whether it's our apologetics ministry or our marriage enrichment ministry, which has a lot of people from outside the church come in because mm-hmm. their marriage is on fire, you know, and they're mm-hmm. like, help, you know, our recovery ministry, regeneration is similar to that. And uh, so the people will come in and they don't know the Lord. And so as you share your faith, then um, the apologetics just becomes like 
a necessary ministry mm-hmm. because there's a bunch of lost people around. And isn't that the way the church is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would just encourage people to think about it in terms of that. Like, don't start a program, heat up a value. Mm-hmm. And as you heat that value up, you can't stop. You, you will have to have an apologetics program mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because there's just people laying everywhere. It's like, well, we got to help these people. Yeah. You, know? you think about one of the earliest apologetics for Jesus as Lord and Messiah in Acts 2, Peter is doing it in the context of sharing the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And all these people get saved. Yeah. Um, we don't ever, I always like to remind myself and people who are in apologetics ministry, our goal isn't to get people to assent to intellectual truths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We want people to have the power of God in their lives to encounter God yep. and to follow him and, and really have an authentic relationship. That's yep. that's the end of the the thing. It's not just, you know, you get to ascend to the Christian worldview and now I'm happy. Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah, there's plenty, as you know, I mean, there's plenty of people who believe um, that Jesus is who he said he was, but that doesn't mean that they're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I would say too, there, this has been working on this in, in my doctoral program, but there, there's a bunch of people who can easily um, agree with a set of doctrinal propositions, mm-hmm. you know, um, but that doesn't mean that they've um, experientially or emotionally like connected to the truth of mm-hmm. the gospel. And so you want to do, in fact, I ask people in our interview process when I'm interviewing people to join the team, which is not an easy interview. Um, I'm like, hey, on the spectrum, like, do you tend more toward like the the rational side and just, uh, you know, cogent arguments and, you know, convincing people from that st- stage or from that perspective? Or do you like tend to be more pastoral where, um, and really what we're looking for is somebody who uh, is a good blend of both. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're they able to pastor people and also be able to hang with them intellectually as they're asking very, very good questions that people need to be asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so when you take the uh, value, then you heat that value up mm-hmm. in your church. That's, mm-hmm. well, step one, I suppose, is prayer, right? That's yeah. just basic, but yeah. sometimes we need to mention that. So pray. No, you definitely Lord should. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who, like I said before, there's a lot of people who do all this stuff and they don't rely on right. the Holy Spirit. That's a problem. That's, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> So then you heat up this value in your church and it starts to then spill out into not just uh, a class that you're doing, but it'll it'll be in the pulpit, it'll be in youth ministry, yep. it'll be in small groups. Yep. Um, what would you say would be the next step for someone who, let's just say someone's on staff, mm-hmm. okay, and they, they have the ability to, to do this. Yep. Um, we'll get to the lay leader later. Yep. Um, so what would be the next step after that? Well, you've, you've definitely got to find your champion. Um, I mean, once you once the value is heated up, then you're looking for the guy who is already doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're don't ever put somebody in leadership who's not already doing what you're asking them to do. Mm. Um, that's not a good thing. Um, so you're looking for that guy who's like, hey, whether y'all do this or not, I'm here, you know. Yeah. And you're like, all right, you know, let's we can we can play with that. And so you're looking for that guy who's going to be your he he's he's a a gifted, visionary, godly leader who's going to carry the flag, you know, and you can you can see him. I mean, once you heat values up like this, the mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the old adage like the cream rises to the top, you know, and the people who are just kind of messing around and playing games, they'll fall away. The people who are like, no, I'm I'm serious about this, they'll stick around, and and so with them, you you find your team, and uh, I, I would say especially with apologetics. 
you know, there's a bunch of different people that are interested in it mm-hmm. um, because most of the time, in my experience, it's because they want to know how to answer questions mm-hmm. but aren't, aren't really equipped to do so, um, which is totally fine. That's where they are. Um, I mean, I've got equipping opportunities for them. But the, for the people that you want leading the apologetics ministry, they need to have thought about these things. They need, they, they need to have been trained in some way. Mm-hmm. They need to have a good baseline understanding of, hey, this is what's going on um, with this. And then you, you begin to deploy them. I mean, our very much one of the bedrock verses of our equipping ministry at Watermark is, is Ephesians 4.12. You know, he's, he's, he's given us as pastors to equip the mm-hmm. saints to do the work that he's given them to do. You yeah. know, it's their ministry. And so uh, even though I serve in our apologetics ministry, I'm not there every single, every single Monday night. Um, I, I help behind the scenes to equip our team, to help organize the team, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when the actual ministry happens, I'm just another voice on a team of you know 22, 23 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're we're deploying people and not doing it for them. You know, I mean, we say all the time, we're like, you're like, if if you're doing the ministry for your people, then you're doing it wrong. Like you're in the way. You know. And so get out of the way. <laughs> Stop. Get out of the way. Right. Let them go. You know, God's called them to do that. So that is our jobs to equip people for works of absolutely. service. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, not to try to do everything ourselves. Yep. Uh, and when you do that, good luck trying to uh, take that ministry away from mm-hmm, them. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a so then like we don't ever have to worry about volunteers. Do we have enough people? Those are those are not issues mm-hmm. for us because when people when people own something, then uh, I mean they're uh, they're bought in. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the the crowning uh, glories of a, a minister who's able to move from one ministry to another is when they move, the whole thing doesn't fall apart. Uh, totally. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, you did it right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't rise and fall on you. No, 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 no. It's God's no. ministry yep. and not yours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and these are God's people. He loves them more than you do. Mm. So, well, okay, let's transition to now. There's a person who is in 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 lay leadership in mm-hmm. the church, and they want to get their church um, on board with this this kind of thing. They see the need. They're not really sure who should I approach, where should I start. Yep. God's kind of put this burden on my heart. I've prayed about it. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I think um, we would start by saying, um, "Hey, good for you." You know, like. Uh, you can do your ministry um, whether or not the program exists in the church or not. And so the first thing I would say to him is keep going. You know, um, there may not be a structured program for you to plug into at your church, but that's okay. Um, there, uh, God didn't say, hey, here's your ministry. And oh, by the way, here are all the prerequisites that have to be in place in order for you to do your ministry. No. He, he just called you to do your ministry. And so that number one is be faithful to Jesus, you know, um, regardless of what that looks like, whether it's here or whether you're traveling for business or whether like, I mean, your, your ministry is not confined to a, to a specific location mm-hmm. or, or expression, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're an apologist at your church and at your workplace and in the airplane while you're traveling mm-hmm. and on the bus and like get it goes with you wherever you go. Yeah. Um, and so that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is if you do see a need, 
then I, I would approach a staff person in the church and just say, hey, I've, I've seen this need. Here's how I've been a part of the solution. And I would love to see us maybe uh, address this need in a certain way. I've got some ideas about it. You know, there's also uh, – <laughs> this happens quite a bit at Watermark. Hmm. There's also this sense of don't ever, don't ever raise an issue if you don't have a solution. You know, there's all kinds of people that gripe and complain about, right. well, we need to do this, you know. And so a lot of times, uh, <laughs> especially people who are new, because if you're not new to Watermark, you, then you know not to gripe and complain <laughs> about that stuff. Because a lot of people will be like, man, why don't we have this, you know. And our answer is, why haven't you started it? Yeah, go ahead. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you waiting on? Yeah. And uh, it's funny how when the person who, why don't we have this? And then you tell them that. They're like, oh, uh, 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 and they'll they immediately backpedal. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're well, like, hey. Some um, people feel like they need permission to do something. But isn't it true that ministers love <laughs> would rather, instead of somebody saying, why don't we have this kind of apologetic mm-hmm. study group, mm-hmm. would come up to you and say, hey, by the way, I hope it's okay, but I've been doing a study of Greg Kokel's tactics at my house for the past three months. <laughs> I love it. But hey. see, that's what we look at. We find uh-huh. the people who are doing that, and we're like, it's awesome. Like you're on my radar mm-hmm. and how can I come around you and support you? And, uh, and so I would just say to uh, probably for the lay person who wants to get this started in a church or have some kind of expression of this in their church, mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to run across a staff person who uh, might be feel threatened by that. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. Do you think we should do this? And they're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You know, we didn't say that that was okay or whatever. And, and I would say that um, as long as the Lord's got you there, then um, it's kind of like the a Daniel leading up to you know mm-hmm. to his king, um, where he's like, uh, you know what? Um, okay, I I can play by whatever rules we have. That's mm-hmm. fine. I'm flexible. You can still do your ministry. You don't need permission for that. And then I would say like slowly, you know, uh, just in appropriate ways, continue to raise the hey. You know, I've got. I feel like I've got a good solution for this. Mm-hmm. And then at at some point, though, there is a time where it's like, uh, I mean, if if the church is just like, no, we're just not going to do that. We don't value that. We don't. Then I would say at that point, I think it's time to start looking for new leadership. You know, uh, not necessarily at the church. Like, don't like usurp people and kick people out. But I think at, at at some point there is a time where it's like, um, you know what? I don't think this is like optional for me. So um, I'm gonna shift to a local expression of the church that um, is going to meet my values where they are. Mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's totally fine. I, I wouldn't, I don't start there, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I think after a process of working through it, I think that's totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's always good. I just tell people to Greg Kokel. We had him on the show recently, and yeah. he always likes to say, he's a friend bloom. of mine. Yeah. He's good. He likes to say bloom where your plants yeah, are. And I like right. that. That's right. Yep. So, not everyone has to be a debater. Not mm-hmm. everyone has to be leading up this, you know, their own apologetics ministry. Yep. Um, if God has you leading uh, little book study groups at a coffee shop and that's mm-hmm. your ministry, yep. then God bless you. Ab- that, oh, you know? yeah, please. Like, we, that's what we need more of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the grassroots kind of stuff because it's relationally driven. Mm-hmm. You're, you're across from the table from somebody who has real questions. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you don't know the answer to their questions. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the things we say. <laughs> I tell our team all the time, I'm like, if you don't know the answer to the question, just say, I don't know. Yeah. And, and and that's a perfectly acceptable answer, response to their question. But just make sure you follow it up with, hey, I don't know, but why don't we explore that together? Yeah. You know, like now you've just created a relational engagement with somebody mm-hmm. where instead of 
uh, trying to, because a lot of people do, they feel like uh, this is one of the ways that Kokel, I think, has been really helpful for me in that book, Tactics, Mm -hmm. is he's like a lot of people feel the weight of all of Christendom on their shoulders to respond. It's like, oh, I've got to have a, I've got this awesome response. Right. Um, and, And he's like, no, you just need to put a stone in their shoe. You know, this stone in the shoe principle where... You know, whether it's a, a response or the way you engage with them, where they walk away and it's like a little pebble. You get, you know, you ever have a pebble in your shoe yeah. and you're walking, you're like, man, this is annoying. You know, like I got to get that out. And a lot of times that stone in the shoe principle is the getting it out is to come back around, to circle back around. People mm-hmm. will come back mm-hmm. and be like, man, it's really interesting what you said there. And so you don't give them the final answer. You might just give them a piece of the answer, mm-hmm. and they'll come back and and want more for sure. But those grassroots, like across the table from people, kind of ministries, that is apologetics. Mm-hmm. So don't think of it like debates with professional people. Like there's very few people who do that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I would say that that while that is an expression of apologetics, it should not be the dominant one. Mm-hmm. The dominant one should be. The conversation you have with your neighbor, mm-hmm. the conversation you have with your coworker, the conversation you're having sitting across the table with somebody, and if you don't know the answer, there are say say that, mm-hmm. invite people into an engagement, and then there are plenty of resources to to pursue the answer to that, and, and including us and including you guys. Yeah. You know, like email us, call us. We'd love to help. Yeah. Just getting somebody to the next step in the conversation, even mm. just getting to the next conversation. Oh, there huge. is even a next conversation. That's right. Um, that, that's a step in the right direction right yeah. there. Yep. Uh, we don't have to pretend to to have all the answers or feel like, well, now I have to defend the entire contents of the whole Christian worldview no. because someone just expressed a view I disagree with. Um, Man, who can even do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Darryl, Dr. Bach's not here, so I, I mean, he can't even do that, you know? Like, no, nobody has all the answers, but um, but we do know the way, right? Yeah. And yeah. Jesus is like, hey, bring him to me. I That's got right. him. You know? Jesus is the way. That's right. That's awesome. You know, when I was a youth pastor in uh, San Francisco, there was a guy who was an atheist, married to a Christian. Um, his wife became a Christian, and they started going to the church. And they were going to the church for like four years. Mm. And after a while, he told me, you know, Mikel, I pretty much have all my questions answered. Yeah. The only thing I have to ask myself now is, do I want to give control of my life Mm. over to someone else? Mm. And when you get someone to that point, um, where's the next step when we, you know, you're moving out of equipping and apologetics Mm -hmm. and you're moving into now a more pastoral role? Do you um, do you handle that within your ministry or do you give them to uh, counselors? No, no, no. We have. I mean, look, if we can't handle that question. What are we doing? Okay. You know, I mean, that's and so uh, typically the way that uh, we handle that issue is, again, you're you're recognizing that, hey, I'm, I'm not the solution to your problem, you know, um, and there's a lot of transference that can happen in mm-hmm. those moments where people are looking to you to be the answer or to give them a final answer mm-hmm. or to, hey, take all this angst that I'm feeling away from mm-hmm. me. And actually, I think the Holy Spirit is using that angst to create tension points in that person's life to force them to choose. Mm -hmm. And so you're recognizing that that's going on. Um, And then at the same time, I think a counter question to that question is I'm not really, or to that statement, I'm not really ready to give up control of my life. I mean, I think I would just ask them um, the, the question like, well, yeah, it may be costly to give up control, but what does it cost you not to, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like, 
Um, and, and most of the time, people have a very pervasive sense of their own brokenness. Um, and they, they realize that even though they functionally try to be God, they're not very good at it. Hmm. And, and a lot of times just asking those probing questions to pull that up from underneath the surface mm-hmm. to just go, hey, um, that's totally fine. You, you don't have to give up control to God. I mean, that's one of the miracles of creation is that, you know, we're, we, you do have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that choice has consequences. And, and oh, by the way, like saying this as gently as I can, like, how's that working out for you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I told a guy um, just recently um, who is walking away from his faith, which is really sad, man. I, that's being in this position, too. You see people who do that. Mm. And, and, uh, and I just told him, you know, in a very he's he's angry at a lot of things, and and the last correspondence we had, I just say, hey man, um, I love you. God loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. Um, and when when it gets to the point where you can't take this anymore, then I'm we're waiting right here. Mm-hmm. We're we're here. Um, you know, that's you're you're going. The thing that makes me sad is you're going down a road that's not. I know it's not going to end well, and I think you probably know it too. Um, and so you you just love people, um, you you love them unconditionally. You you look at them and say, you know, hey man, um, yeah, you, you don't have to give up control, um, but that's not going to go well. And when it doesn't go well, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I think um, because when the when the stuff hits the fan, <laughs> right, and people do come back to you. Um, they come back and you're able to show them like, hey, that, you know, God, God never left you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not mad at you. He's, uh, he's not trying to like another thing we say a lot is, and he's not trying to rip you off. He's trying to set you free. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but you do have to get to the point where you've got to let him, you've got to give mm-hmm. up control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God does that a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he just well, goes, yeah. well, you want to go your own way. I'm, I'm here when you're. He he does it because um, he does it because we love he loves us, mm-hmm. and and also he does it because we you know we force him to you know we don't cooperate with him, and and a lot of times too uh, I'll ask this in apologetic type conversations where people are like, well, God, why did God do this and that? And I was like, well. There some things like like we've said are beyond our ability mm-hmm. to comprehend. Um, but a lot of times, though, it's like, hey, I wonder how when when we respond to him in rebellious type ways over and over and over again, like how does that make him feel? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so putting like flesh and bone onto this kind of abstract God, you know, yeah. um, it really helps people, which is. Maybe that's what the incarnation is all about. I don't know. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about how people can get in touch with uh, your ministry and then the resources that you mentioned that anybody can take, these mm-hmm. online classes mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, well, you can email us anytime at uh, greatquestions at watermark.org. That's our kind of catch-all email address. Um, but it gets monitored, and and uh, we do respond to people's questions like that. Um, and then I would say, um, if you want to, uh, an easy, you know, since I'm here on your podcast, mm-hmm. then I, I'll, uh, I'll give myself a push, um, is our equipping podcast has a ton of apologetics, um, type, um, episodes on there. So, uh, I would encourage you guys to check that out. That's called the equipping podcast. And, um, and then also the the Answering the Tough Ones course. You can go on our website, watermark.org forward slash equipping, 
and you'll see our, our equipping courses. And that's one of the equipping courses you can take. Again, um, they're online cohorts. So there's people, I think we have, uh, we've got like 19 or 20 different states represented. Um, and then some people in Guam and then some mm. random dude in Australia, you mm. know, it's like taking a course. I don't know. Mm. I, he must know somebody at Watermark, but, um, there's people who get, get put into these cohorts and then you walk through the content with mm. a cohort online. And, uh, so I'd encourage people to check that out as well. But if there's any way that we can serve the church, um, you know, I mean, obviously we are a church, but if we can serve the church, equip them, resource them in any way, or just encourage them, um, be a sounding board for them. We'd love to do that. Awesome. Well, thank you much, so much for being on the show. Yeah, we really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Good to have you in the studio again. Yeah, man. Well, we thank you so much for joining us here on the table once again. If you have a topic that you would like us to consider for a future episode, please feel free to email us here at the table, and our email address is thetable at dts.edu. Again, that's thetable at dts.edu. And we hope you will join us once again on the Table podcast next week as we continue to discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.